Welcome to the weekly sermons and studies podcast at First Baptist. Today's speaker is our senior pastor, Dr. Jeff Reynolds. Let's pray together. And Lord, we pray now with our hearts attuned to you that you would speak through your word and by your spirit. Lord, call us to yourself. Draw us close. Make us more like Jesus. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. We ask it trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen. My roommate in college and I were both offensive linemen on the football team, and they called the offensive linemen the hogs. And the reason they call the offensive linemen the hogs is because we were the big guys who would root around in the dirt. That's what we did. Didn't require a great amount of skill, just required a great amount of tenacity and willingness to lead with your forehead. That's typically what happened. Now they don't teach that because they've learned about things like, oh, I don't know, concussions and things of that nature. Um, but we were hogs, and we were both 300-pounders. I mean, we were, we were big fellas. If you wanted good food, you came to our dorm room, particularly after my roommate's mom had visited from Texas because she would bring these tubs of goodness. I mean tubs. Our favorite thing to do was to take a five-gallon bucket of animal crackers and a two-gallon bucket of peanut butter and combine them for breakfast in the mornings. It was just unbelievable. My son currently plays football, and they're trying to pack weight on him. I never had that experience in my life. They always encouraged me to find less weight by the time I came back. But we graduated, and my roommate went on to um, a graduate program at the University of Cincinnati. I came back to Bowling Green and and started working at Hillview Heights Church. And and to make some money while he was in his graduate program at the University of Cincinnati, my roommate got a job as a trainer. And so he would go to the gym every day, and he would train people, and he would start at 5 in the morning, and, and, and he would go do class, and he would come back, and he would go back to the gym and, and train until 9 o'clock at night. I mean, you know, just helping people get healthy. And uh, several months went by, and we had the occasion to get back together again. Now, you have to remember, these are ancient days. This was in the time before Facebook where you couldn't have a class reunion right there by pulling up your phone. You didn't see people, you know. And we got back together, and he had lost like 60 pounds, and I had not. And I said, what did you do? He said, well, I've just been training. I said, I felt betrayed, quite frankly, because we were hogs together. And now I'm the only hog left out of the duo. And he kept going. He, he ended up with a six-pack. And I'm not talking about drinks you carry. I'm talking about right here on his belly. And so finally one day I got so frustrated. I said, what, what have you done? He said, well, I've just, just been training. I said, no, there's got to be some sort of secret. He said, well, I've just been watching what I eat and training. And that made me really mad because that was not the secret I was looking for. No, I was looking for some sort of epiphany where everything changed, and in an instant, he just made one decision, and everything changed, and all of a sudden, he has a six-pack. But that wasn't the answer. The answer was, I've just been training. And you know, he's maintained that, and he continues to train, and it took me, oh, about 15 years to get to the point where I decided, maybe I should train too. So I did. 
And guess what happens when you train? Things change. You know, it's the old adage, nothing changes unless you do. We all want some sort of magic pill, some sort of magic answer, but really it's just straightforward. And the same is true in our spiritual life. You know, particularly right now in our nation, we're asking God, He's moving in mighty ways in Wilmore, Kentucky, and in various other places. God is, is moving, and, and there's a lot of conversation right now about revival. And it's miraculous what God is doing in people's hearts and lives, but, but listen, the, the pathway to the miraculous most often passes through the mundane. The pathway to the miraculous most often passes through the mundane. The pathway to my my roommate's miraculous weight loss passed through the mundane details of the fact that he ate better and trained. And you know, the pathway to the miraculous of, of God's revelation of himself more and revival within our hearts, because that's where, that's where revival's got to start. It's got to start within our hearts. It passes through the mundane of just doing the things that God's told us to do. Since the new year, we've been looking back at the first church and, and asking the question, what did they do? Because their faith was not something they had done. They didn't get the afterlife taken care of and then just go back to what they were doing previously. No, they gave their lives to Jesus, and that changed their entire lives, the trajectory of their lives. It changed everything about who they were. Peter went from being a fisherman to fishing for men and women. Peter went from being scared in the presence of a slave girl, not willing to say the name of Jesus, to being the one who would stand at Jerusalem and proclaim Jesus Christ to all who were there, the very same people who had condemned his Lord. What happened? Well, they had an encounter with the living God, and that changed them. And then they began to do some things. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, tell us what they did. And we've been looking at those disciplines. So what's the secret? What's the secret to living a life rooted and established in Jesus Christ where our faith is not something we have done, but it's something that is a, is a vital, active part of who we are and what we do every day? Well, the answer comes from our text today. Our text is, is a verse and a half. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 7b, so the second half of verse 7 through 8. If you're in the Red Pew Bible in the room, that's page 992. But the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the second half of verse 7 and verse 8, saying this, Train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Train yourself for godliness, Paul wrote to Timothy. So our theme today is this, day by day, I train myself for godliness. Day by day, I train myself for godliness. Well, how does the early church teach us to do this? How, over the past seven weeks, has, has God shown us this through his word? Well, six ways. I grow daily by number one. Here's your first point. I bet you can already fill it in. Reading God's word. I grow by daily reading God's word. We looked at how through the Word, God reminds me who I am, God reveals to me who He is, and God radiates His light upon my path. We talked about how at every vacation Bible school, we have the kids come up and we say the pledges, and we say the pledge to the Bible. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy Word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its Word in my heart that I might not sin against God. 
What are we teaching with that pledge? We are teaching that by getting God's Word inside of us, that has an effect within us that comes out of us. And so we've said, and we say, probably ad nauseum, (laughs) week after week, the most important and effective thing you can do to grow in your faith is to read God's Word every single day. And I want to give you just some practical tips. I think structure is important, so find a plan. We have one here you're welcome to use, but there are four bazillion plans in the world, and I think I just made up a new number. But you can find a plan to follow, and I would just encourage you to find a plan. I'm really enjoying the Reading God's Story chronological reading plan right now. You can jump in right there with us. There's still time to catch up if you want to, or you can just jump in where we are. But the other thing I would encourage you to do is to automate your plan as much as possible. Every plan that we choose for First Baptist Church comes out of the YouVersion Bible app. Do you know why? That's so you and I can use our YouVersion Bible app if we want to. And if you will use your YouVersion Bible app, guess what it'll do? You hit plan, it'll pull up your plan, it'll pull up your day, and you just get to go. It just, it's right there. It's automated for you. You just start reading. But then, as you automate that plan, make it a habit. Do it the same time of day. Do it in the same place. It's how I start my day, and I love it. And, and, and if you do that, guess what you'll find? If you miss a day, you miss it. You realize, you realize you missed that opportunity to hear from God through His Word. People say, well, I don't ever hear God speak to me. Well, What more can he say than to you he has said? I think we sing a song that says that. All right, so if I want to hear from God and I'm not willing to read what he said, then I really don't want to hear from God, do I? So find a plan, automate your plan, create a habit. And then here's the really cool thing, when you find others to read alongside you, and that's why we do it together as a church, we get to have conversations about, did you read that today? I get text messages, people saying, what about this? I read this. I'm curious about this. We have conversations. What about this? It's really an amazing thing. So I would just encourage you, the secret is read it and let God speak through it. Second point, cultivating Christ-centered community. I grow daily by cultivating Christ-centered community. We learn that Christ followers are united in Christ united in story, united in care, and that we express our unity in tangible ways. God designed us to do this in community, together. We need one another. Part of God's greatest gift to us is one another. We're called to love one another, to stir one another up, not to forsake meeting together, but coming together as the body of Christ. realizing we're not in this alone. So I really want to encourage you, find a group. Be a part of a Sunday school class and or a Bible study class and or a koinonia group. Be a part of what God is doing. Get involved in a ministry group. One of the greatest ministry groups in our church is right behind me. They're all in blue. Last week, we had like 60 people on this stage, people playing their instruments and singing and directing, and it was just beautiful to see. But you know, there are all sorts of ways to serve within groups here at First Baptist Church. Find a group, because here's what's going to happen to you. Life is going to happen to you, yes, you too. And all of a sudden, you're going to find out that you need folks. And as ruggedly individualistic as you like to be and I like to be, we need one another. 
But God gave us the gift of each other, so find, find that group. Number three, praying. We said, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. We pray because God calls us to come to him, because God cares for us, because we have an enemy, because we're not in this alone, and because we have everlasting hope in Jesus Christ, because God is Lord over all, and he is able, and we are not. He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, and we are limited, and so we go to him. We can't even walk without him holding our hands and prayer is the way by which we reach out our hands to his, recognizing that his is extended to us all the time. Fourthly, we worship. Worshiping God is our fourth point. We worship in awe of God, in unison with heaven, in humility before God, and all because God is worthy. We worship with God's people at least weekly, if not more, gathering with the body of Christ. How amazing was it when we just all sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness together? I mean, it was powerful. And I've told y'all, I like to sneak into the sanctuary when it's dark and empty during the week, and sometimes I'll just belt out because nobody can be offended but God. And he likes a joyful noise. So I just belt out, great is thy faithfulness in this room. And that's so powerful because this room is incredible. But, but to hear us, us, proclaiming his faithfulness, how moving. So we get together. But we also worship daily on our own. We worship by the way that we live our lives. We worship in the way that we treat other people. We worship God with all that we are. Our fifth point, engaging lostness. Engaging lostness. Lostness is the greatest problem the world knows because lostness is the only problem that doesn't come to an end when you die. Dr. Paul Chipwood stood right here, the president of the, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. He stood right here and he said, lostness doesn't go away when you die. Every other problem does. Lostness, well, the full scope of that problem is revealed at the moment of your death. And we've been called to be ambassadors for Christ, pleading calling people to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. You say, why isn't God doing more about the lostness in Bowling Green, Kentucky? Well, you're part of the solution. So how are you allowing him to work through you to engage that lostness, to show people the hope of Jesus by the way that you live, by the way that you interact, by the way that you drive down Scottsville Road? Just want to make sure everybody's still awake. Because that's where... I guess no pun intended, the rubber meets the road, right? How do we live out our faith in front of a hurting world that thinks Christianity is false because they know some Christians who are really mean? What are we doing about it? Well, God's put us here to do something about it. And number six, giving. That we give bountifully, not sparingly, cheerfully, not reluctantly, generously as one who is supplied by God, and we give all for the glory of God. And we give faithfully. Listen, nothing we have is our own. It is all God's. He has given it to us to steward for his glory. So what's the secret? Unfortunately, it's the same thing my roommate told me. Training. What is training? You do these disciplines day by day. And God changes you. 
God shapes you. God molds you. God makes you more like Jesus. God calls you closer to himself. God revives you from the inside out. The pathway to the miraculous often passes through the mundane. may not seem like much to read your Bible. may not seem like much to spend time in prayer to be a part of a group, to use your gifts, talents, abilities, and resources to serve God, to engage in the lostness around you. It may not seem like much to write that check and, and, and contribute it to Almighty God week after week. God works miraculous things through what seems so mundane to us. You know, we're going to celebrate that through a meal, a sacred meal, a meal that was instituted by our Lord Jesus in the upper room with his disciples when they thought they were just coming to celebrate the Passover. It was something they'd done multiple times. And we come to this table, something that most of us have done multiple times, just another opportunity to share in the Lord's Supper. But if we'll open our hearts to God's movement within us, what might he do? What might he do as these elements come, and we remember that this bread symbolizes his body and the, the fruit of the vine, the cup, symbolizes his blood. What might he do if we will confess our sins to him before we receive the elements and, and say, Lord, speak to my heart through this ordinance that you have left as a lasting ordinance for us. I want to invite Billy Ray Smith, chair of our deacons, and chair-elect Clint Cobb to join me at the table. When we come to the table, we remember the upper room where Jesus was with his disciples, and he took bread. And after giving thanks for it, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take, eat. And he commanded us to do this in remembrance of him. And so here in just a moment, our deacons are going to distribute the elements to you. This meal is open to you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you are not yet a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, let the elements pass, for that's the biblical admonition. But if you're a believer, take this piece of bread, hold it, and as you hold it, and as they play, ask God to speak to your heart. I believe you will. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this little piece of bread and what it means. That, Lord, you gave over your body to be broken, that we, through Christ, might be made whole. We ask that you would bless it, and through this symbol, help us to remember in Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, this small piece of unleavened bread seems so insignificant and yet symbolizes so much. We thank you for the body of our Lord Jesus, which was broken for us. By eating this element, we remember. In Jesus' name, amen. Take, eat, and remember. The Bible tells us that after the supper, he took the cup. And he said that this cup symbolized much, that it was the cup a redemption in his blood, a new covenant written not on tablets of stone, but on hearts of flesh. And he told his disciples to take and drink, and as often as they do it, to do so in remembrance of him. Well, in the same way, our deacons will distribute the element to you, and we would invite you to hold it, to pray, to reflect to confess and repent, to believe 
and to be reminded just how much God loves you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful for this cup and all that it symbolizes. Lord, we pray that through it you would help us to remember. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we respond. We're going to respond here in the room by singing as the deer. And if God is calling you to come forward to to ask questions about what it means to receive Christ, to trust and follow Jesus, to talk about baptism, we would invite you to come and talk to a member of our ministerial staff. But I pray that in each of our hearts, we would respond to God in obedience by trusting and following Jesus ever more faithfully. Would you stand with me? And as we stand, let's join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this sacred meal that we've gotten to celebrate, for what it means, for how it helps us to remember. And Lord, we're thankful that we look not only backward, but we look forward to that day when we will join you at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we will feast in glory in the utter and complete victory of Jesus Christ our Lord. Until then, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to come to Christ and to grow in Christ and to walk in Christ and to magnify Christ by the way that we live our lives. So at this time of response, may we all respond in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time. We'd love to connect with you. Just email connect at firstbaptistbg.org or call 270-842-0331.